Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name is Ellis Williams and I'm joined today by Mizzou senior journalism student Nick Kelly. Look, it'd be quicker to list the places Nick's work hasn't appeared yet than to name all his bylines. In his short career thus far, he's been at top publications all over the nation covering pro and college sports. But we are talking to Nick today because of his expertise regarding Missouri football, specifically the Browns' newest offensive tackle, Jordan Elliott. Before we get into it, just want to say thanks for coming on Nick how are things your way man thanks for having me Alice uh, things things are good and uh, I guess as good as they can be in these kind of crazy times but uh, yeah, I hope as well all is well on your end too yep yep things are cool over here and you, you know couldn't agree more myself uh, all things considered we're cool and it's nice to talk a little football after the draft and have you on here so let's get right into it all right sounds good Jordan Elliott, of course, interesting prospect for a few reasons. Uh, he was Pro Football Focus's 23rd ranked player, which made him the number three defensive lineman behind Derek Brown and Javon Kenlaw, who were both first round high picks. But then five defensive tackles went ahead of Elliott, which made him the eighth tackle taken. So, Nick, let's just start there. Why do you think Elliott was available so late? And was it more of just Pro Football Focus overrating him a little bit? Or how do you think it, and why do you think it shook the way it did for Cleveland? To be honest with you, I think that there just might not be enough tape or, or enough evidence that he can produce at a long, over a long period of time. He had a great year this past year, but at the same time, he was just a one-year starter. So he, he doesn't have all, all these years or, or all this great high-quality tape for teams to look at. And as you know, NFL teams, they, they want as much for sure things they can get. And so although it's a good one year, they want to make sure it's probably not a flash in the pan kind of thing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And to piggyback off that, I'm just going to read his junior year accolades there because that's really where we start and finish with this young man. Uh, full-time starter as a junior, became a 2019 All-American, both Associated Press and Pro Football Focus. Uh, again, a lot of Pro Football Focus love. He graded out at a 92.8 overall through his final 25 games. Uh, he led all Mizzou defensive linemen in uh, tackles, 44, fourth on the team. But what I want to ask you here is just two and a half sacks. I see Kobe Whiteside had seven. So can you just talk a little bit about the dynamic of that defensive line at Mizzou and if he's grading so high, why just two and a half sacks for this young man? Yeah, so the sack production was not high. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that most teams knew that he was the top defender they had to stop. Okay. And so when you're the focal point, because they also lost Kale Garrett, who was kind of their, their stud middle linebacker and was really a leader of that team. They lost him about halfway through the season to a couple of injuries. And so for, for him, then with Cale Garrett leaving, Jordan Elliott was pretty much like one, one of their other linebackers, Nick Bolton, said that other than Cale, Jordan was the heart and soul of this defense. 
And, and you know that opposing teams knew that as well. And so I think that there was a lot of effort that went into making sure, okay, if you're going to have a chance of success against this Missouri defense, Jordan Elliott is one of the players you have to make sure to stop. And so I think that's one thing that helped Kobe a lot too, is that teams were having to defend Jordan and Kobe in the interior. Both are just really strong dudes who can get after the quarterback. And because Jordan was such a focus, because he's much more of the prototypical guy that you're going to see go to the next level as he is, whereas Kobe's more of a, he's about six foot. He's doesn't quite have the same athleticism because of that. I think teams are like, okay, we're going to focus on Jordan and we're not going to give as much attention to Kobe. And then now Kobe is a great player too, but he's maybe not Jordan. So I, I think that it was mainly because of focus of other teams was a lot of that. That's got to be encouraging for Browns fans to hear uh, watching the tape and, you know, grabbing some, some film study when I can, it looks like he's a, a guy who's quick in space, uh, light on his feet, knows how to use his hands. Uh, but, you know, you you saw him up close and personal throughout the season. And actually, you know, going back and reading some of your own clip, your old clips, it was fun to revisit some of the Mizzou season. And it, it looked like uh, the Mizzou offense was struggled at times this year while the defense kept them in games. And it sounded like Elliott was a focal point of that. So just just kind of a, a year in review on Elliott's senior year, or excuse me, junior year that he had for Missouri. Yeah, it was a wild season uh, for being there most of the time. It was it was a very strange season to cover because they started off really well. They won the first half, most of their games the first half of the season other than a blip in Wyoming. But then half through the season, the offense couldn't score points. The defense is basically the only thing that kept them in it a lot of the time. In the Florida game, not only was the defense what basically kept them in the game, but it was basically Jordan Elliott and Kobe Whiteside, who their strong play in the middle, they had some great pressure that really kept it a close game for a while and Florida ended up winning. But Really, and that, that was the case in a lot of games. The success of this defense, as it does for most, started in the middle with strong defensive tackle play. And they also had Nick Bolton behind them, which is another guy to watch uh, at some point down the road. But they were the core of that defense that really uh, kept this team from maybe more embarrassment in the second half of the year because they lost, I think, I think they lost their last five in a row. Now it's starting to blur together. It was just a lot of losses. It was a lot yeah, of losses in the second half of the year. And really, I think it could have been a lot uglier if not for a Jordan Elliott and just the efforts they had overall in the middle of the defense. Again, encouraging stuff. Uh, Nick, just when you watch him up close and personally, uh, what did he do, do well? Where did you think he excelled and how did he beat interior defensive linemen repeatedly at Missouri? Yeah, he's just explosive. I mean, that's the, the biggest thing I think when you see when you watch his tape or watch him play. I asked him, I think it was after the Southeast Missouri State game, which is obviously not a, a high-quality opponent, but I asked him just, you know, what's kind of your mindset? Cause there's a play in that game where he absolutely just crunched the quarterback and, and the quarterback, he returned later in the game, but he was never the same after that. I asked, I asked Jordan, like, you know, what's just your approach. And he just said, I think he said something effective, like really just destroy. So that's the kind of player that Browns fans are getting. And, and I think he's someone who, like you talked about, he's very quick on his feet. He's, he's nimble. I don't know if he has like, I don't think he'd necessarily win a 40 yard dash competition, but as a defensive lineman in a short area of space, he can move quickly. He can get across a, a guard's or a center's face really well. Um, he likes to break out the swim move every so often. So you might see that a little bit, maybe less in the NFL. It's a little, you know, obviously a little more higher competition, but he does have a swim move he likes. But yeah, he's just very nimble. He's great in twists. He's great on his feet. And so I, I think there's a lot to work with there just because he is an athlete. And he dropped 30 pounds going into this year. And that really, I think, helped his just agility and his ability to move. And so he's definitely – I don't know if he's ever someone that would project to 
um, a five technique, but as far as a three technique or a one technique, he's really got some great moves and an ability to keep uh, just keep getting after the quarterback. Yeah, that's one thing that stood out was his versatility across the defensive line. Not that they will in Cleveland, but you could line him up over the nose. He's probably more comfortable and happy in a three. And reading your work, it sounds like he's was in a five sometimes too. So it, it's going to be fun to follow his growth and versatility is the name of the game, especially now as the college game creeps into the NFL. Uh, you mentioned the, the the weight loss, so I want to try to unpack that a little bit here. I thought that was an interesting nugget. Um, let's start with this, though. It, it seemed like he had some commitment issues when he was younger, if you will. Uh, Houston, Texas native, originally commits to Michigan, only to decommit to become a Longhorn. He spends a year there, so this is like 2015-ish, 16-ish. Um, then he transfers to Missouri, has to sit out a year, and then he comes back and puts together a couple years for Missouri, and here we are. Do you have any uh, – can you fill in the blanks at all between the, those periods of him being a, not necessarily away from football but not contributing on the field and his decision-making into coming to Missouri, leaving Texas? What all went into that? And then, of course, tie in that the, the way he transformed his body also because I think that's important when understanding the type of young man this person is. Yeah, to be honest, I don't have exact specifics as to what happened or why he decided, but it could frankly just be he's a 17, 18-, you know, 19-year-old yeah. kid. Uh, as someone who's uh, kind of on the other end of that myself, I think Jordan and I are actually the same age, but um, I, I can understand where he's a little indecisive. So I, again, I don't want to speculate too much just because I don't know the sure. exact reason. But, um, but one thing I do know is that his defensive line coach at Texas, Rick Haley, eventually came to Missouri, which I think is part of or a big reason, if not the reason why he came to Missouri. And for him, once I think he got rolling, once he started to take you know, a real conscious effort of what he's putting in his body and really realizing that he has a good shot if he could, you know, have a more trim form. Uh, I think he really saw maturity growth in that way. And, and I think he talked about it. I mean, he just, he even cut out things like chicken. Like he was eating a lot of fish. He was eating, I mean, he was really eating well and minding his P's and Q's when it comes to eating and diet. And, and so I think that that was a big step for him and just in that maturity too. And, and so and, and also, he was a big leader for this team, and, and leadership can take a lot of different ways, and that can mean a lot of different things, but he was a part of the leadership council. He was a captain on this team, um, and when they were going through all the sanction issues that they were of trying to keep the band together, basically, when guys could transfer without penalty because there were uh, sanctions levied for academic uh, misconduct, uh, none of these current players, but years ago, and then as you know, the way it works with uh, the NCAA, the penalties get levied against a later team and a team that takes the penalties later. But anyways, he, he was a big part of getting them through that tough period. So I, I think that it could simply come down to he's, he's older now and he's more mature and that back then it, it might just been he didn't know what he wanted. Yeah, I think that's well put. And look, I'm not too far removed from the college scene. And I, I know you're, you're wrapping up, as we'll talk about later, um, to cut out chicken and to have a disciplined diet at that age, man. It's, it's not easy, right? Like I know Mizzou's got to have some cafeterias over there that are, that are the spot, right? I've been in the Mizzou athletic training complexes, dining hall several times, never to eat actually, but I've, I've done a few food stories. I've sometimes they used to do interviews in there and they, uh, there's pl plenty of good options to, to take part in. So, so the, the man's got some, uh, some willpower. That's good to hear. Um, all right, look, he's a pro now. Uh, lining up to another Mizzou great in Sheldon Richardson. Uh, that'll be an interesting dynamic to follow. Let's start in the locker room uh, through following him and covering him. What type of person or competitor do you think Cleveland's getting in Elliott now? 
Yeah, I mean, I touched on a little bit and that he is definitely uh, the leadership type. I don't know if he's necessarily a loud leader or you know, a Ray Lewis type, if you will, but I, I think that he definitely takes an interest in, in, in the group and the success of the group. And for him to just even, obviously, as you know, as a reporter, we, we only get so much time with these guys. But for my interactions with Jordan, he was always very thoughtful. He's very cognizant. Um, he's, he's got a very deep uh, faith as a Christian, too. Um, so he's very, uh, very big thinker. And he definitely uh, is, is more than just an athlete. So there's, I think there's a lot of depth to Jordan. And he's very well liked in the team, from what I can tell. And he's just someone that I think enjoys the game of football. What was the culture like at Missouri in Cleveland and now with the new coach um, and anyone who follows the NFL is well aware of the Browns uh, nature of changing coaches and GMs and regimes and all this. Kevin Stefanski now wants to start, you know, the Browns way. And they talk at length about bringing in high character guys. So first, what was the culture like in Missouri throughout his time there? And do you see him, it sounds like you see him fitting in well with what the Browns are trying to build, right? Yeah, so it was an interesting time just because Barry Odom was about a 500 coach. He, he just got, for those who don't know, he, he got fired in, I think it was November, late November. And he was there for about four years, and he never was able to just quite get over that hump where they, they'd win some, they won a few good games, but they, they didn't have a lot of, they couldn't stay steady, basically. And I think that led to some, uh, I mean, when you're not winning, it's obviously not near as fun or... Uh, near as, I don't know if, I don't know how much the culture is affected. I just think it's not quite as strong, obviously, but, but I think that even so they still had a pretty good culture through most of it in terms of just being a pretty good place if you want to play football. And that's a big thing too, is even when Missouri has not been successful, they almost always are churning out good defensive linemen. Uh, I think Charles Harris just uh, recently was just traded to the Falcons um, from the Dolphins. He was a former Missouri defensive end as well. So there's plenty of, success no matter the success that the overall team is having on the defensive line and I think that Jordan really was the next part of that yeah it makes a lot of sense Nick um let's focus on just this year that's coming up and of course there's we've got a lot of question marks with how the rookies are going to come to terms with the way they're going to be integrated into these new schemes and these these defenses offenses whatever side of the ball you're on uh the Browns started their virtual offseason I think they're starting it this weekend and we don't really know what that's going to necessarily mean, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Right. It's just like everything else going on. Um, but all things considered in a vacuum with the Browns having guys like Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, Chad Thomas, um, it's, it's a competitive defensive line group. How do you see his rookie year playing out? Where, where do you see him on this defensive line as a group? And what do you think he can bring to the Browns as a rookie? Well, yeah, he's obviously going to be at a disadvantage just because he's not going to have that time. And especially as a rookie, you really have to have those extra hours to, to learn how to become an NFL player and become a professional. Cause there's just another level, even if you're playing the SEC as, as Jordan did, there really is just another level to be able to be a, a good pro and just conditioning. And, and <laughs> just speaking from my own experience right now, it's, it's harder to stay in good shape when uh, we're all yeah. home, uh, exposed to more food and things like that. But right. so I think that that part is going to, obviously put him at a disadvantage. Not that he can't overcome that whenever we do end up seeing football, but I think for him, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle. But again, he, because he decided to take that really interesting initiative with his health coming into his, his junior season, I think it's going to serve him well in that he could maybe be more ready than someone who just was a big dude and just always could just 
you know, push through guys. And, and so I think that helps because he already is taking such a vested interest in his nutrition. Um, but yeah, in terms of him projecting the next level too, just to be able to play with this group, I think he could be a good rotational guy early on. I don't, I don't know that he'll be starting in if, unless there's an injury, but I think that he's someone just because of his explosiveness and his size and his athleticism that he's at least going to have a chance to contribute. But I don't know if that's as a starter or not. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, hey, look, you mentioned the SEC quickly. Let's, let's pivot there. Uh, the Browns draft a, a bunch of SEC guys. At first, it felt like they were only going to draft SEC guys until uh, Harrison Bryan <laughs> and Donovan Peoples-Jones come off the board. I think it was record like 15 SEC players taken in the first round. Um, probably not a surprise when you're covering it, but what would you make of all the SEC love once again in the draft and specifically in Cleveland? Well, as the SEC would say, it just means more, and it just means more draft picks. So it, I, I think that it's, it's not terribly surprising just because there, there is such quality play from LSU leading the way and that obviously they had a fantastic season. And Alabama, Florida, Georgia, I mean, there's, there was such, especially at the top, there's such quality that it makes sense that there's so many guys plucked from these teams because I think even, I don't have the exact numbers, but even look at the, the, team, the players who were drafted from LSU, Clemson, uh, just Ohio State. I mean, all, all these schools that were playing in, in the college football playoff. And so it makes sense that there's a lot of SEC guys just because there are a lot of SEC teams that were playing some high-level games per usual. So I, I think it's, it's not a surprise, but it, it, uh, I guess you never know. Maybe one of these years it'll be uh, more from another, another, uh, another conference, but there's always, always more SEC players to be picked. Yeah, man, I don't see it changing anytime soon, but the ACC might have something to say about that. And this is a Browns podcast, so shout out Big Ten too. We'll, we'll show love everywhere. All we're right, man. Look, Big Ten country, so. <laughs> Sorry, say that again. We're both, we're both from Big Ten country, so we don't mean to leave the Big Ten out. But amen. Never forget. Shout out Minnesota. <laughs> um, all right, man. Look, again, spending all the time you did with them and just being around the team. Uh, do you have a favorite Jordan Elliott memory moment? Could have been something from the locker room, on field. Uh, when you think about him and his career there, what what stands out? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, just one play that was a it was a huge one. Um, I guess not really a not a locker room moment, if you will, but a big play that stood out from this year that was kind of funny, but it helped Mizzou quite a bit, even though they didn't win the game. Uh, Jordan Elliott blocked a field goal uh, against Tennessee, um, which to me just showed a lot of what he's about just not only his explosiveness but also that he wants it badly no matter where he is on the field kind of thing because some guys if you're a premier starter for a team you might not be as enthused about special teams but but he came in and blocked the field goal I think that was one of his more defining plays um I, I don't know if I don't know if I can think of an exact moment but I, I think that Jordan just overall he, he always liked to have a good laugh he always liked to be someone who's making jokes, having, having a good time. And so I think, again, he just enjoys the game. He enjoys the sport and he enjoys the camaraderie of it all. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. Um, I know I keep pushing you for these, these deep nuggets and having to re retain what you, you have been so far removed from now. Since like the fall, but <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> exactly. But I'm going to keep challenging you, man. You're, you're good at what you do for a reason. Um, the casual Browns fan doesn't know anything about uh, – a third round pick, nonetheless, some D tackle from a zoo, you know, they're looking for the flashy wide receiver or the running back, the quarterback, something like that. Not to oversimplify it, but simply put, what would that fan, what would you want to let them know about Jordan Elliott that they may not know something that isn't on the surface about this young man? Yeah. I, I think that he's just 
starting to really tap into where he could end up going. And I know it's said about a lot of different prospects. It's said about guys all the time. But because he's someone who is just a one-year starter and someone who really is just growing into his, his own, he's someone really to watch and maybe not grow, not look at as much of college tape or his numbers and look more of where this guy could go just because he's got such great length at 6'3". He's got such good agility. He's got such good size and strength. And so he's just someone that he's someone to watch who he very well just could be a career backup, but he also could be someone you might see at some point in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and that's a, that segues perfectly into my last question here on uh, Jacob Elliott. And you really just laid it out. You don't know how these careers are ever going to land. If we did, we'd probably be in a, a different industry. <laughs> but what I want to ask you is what's it going to take for him to reach those heights that he has? Because it sounds like he has it. So what is he going to need to do now that he's a pro that he started building at Missouri to keep that momentum going? Yeah, I think one area of his game he needs to keep working on is just his pad level and making sure he stays low, which is, which is trickier when you're six, three and a, a big defensive tackle. I don't pretend that I could do much better if I had that size body, but I think he's just got to keep working on that. And a lot of that really probably comes down to strength, strength training, taking that to the next level with NFL strength programs and, and so, yeah, just really playing with that low pad level, really being someone who can continue to move. And so I think he's someone who, if he can just work at getting low and using that burst to just get up and under these offensive linemen, he's really going to have a chance to take his game to the next level. Nick, really appreciate all that insight on Jordan Elliott. Uh, before you get out of here, I want to give you an opportunity uh, to talk about your senior year at Missouri. Uh, you just penned a, a really nice piece in Vox Magazine. Uh, you wrote with great, great care about your senior year and the goodbyes that have been stolen from you due to COVID-19 and this pandemic. Uh, look, anyone listening, I recommend you go check it out. Uh, you can find it on his Twitter. Uh, the handle is underscore Nick Kelly. Uh, man, look, one part that really stood out to me, you said, quote, but know this, the ending does not change what happened in the beginning or middle. You continued saying, quote, none of it disappears. The moment lives on when you decide to pause, close your eyes and put yourself back in it. That's just powerful stuff, man. So do you, man, do you mind expanding on that at all? And, and also, if you have any words for Browns fans listening who may be a, a fellow college senior or, or, heck, even a high school senior, uh, feel free, man. The floor is yours. Well, I appreciate the kind words, and, and thanks for reading it. It really – something like this was as much as I was writing for an assignment. Um, it really was, was, for me, was something that was therapeutic and just to help me, help me through, you know, figure out how am I supposed to feel about all this just because there's no playbook to any of this. But I think the idea, I just kept thinking about goodbyes because there, there's so many of them as a college senior or just, and for many of us that have these goodbyes we didn't expect or early goodbyes. And, and really, to be honest with you, I don't know if I'm great at goodbyes anyway. And so I, I think it's something where I, I, th I thought about, actually, I was driving uh, between Minnesota and Missouri. I was thinking about this in the car. There's not a lot to think about in Iowa or see in Iowa, I should say. But uh, it's one of those things where, even, even when the goodbye is not good, it doesn't change what happens before that. So when we lose that goodbye or when we lose that ending we thought was going to happen or the way we thought it was going to happen, it really doesn't change all the good things that went into that. And so that's kind of what I based the whole piece around. And again, the words of encouragement I would just give anyone who's in a similar spot or is having to say goodbye to things earlier than, than they thought they would is just you know, focus on, focus on the good things and the things that came before and, and that are making you sad because they are good things. And if, if you're sad about it, it really was a good thing and, and you don't lose that. And so that, that's what I would suggest to anyone 
going through this, but again, you know, give yourself, uh, give yourself some room to, to, you know, grieve and process because it really is a grieving process just because you're losing things that you maybe didn't think you'd lose or you're losing them earlier than you really thought you would. Powerful stuff, Nick. Uh, listen, man, keep being a leader, keep doing your thing. That was Nick Kelly of Mizzou, one of Minnesota's finest, of course. Nick, I'm sure I'll see you around soon. Regardless, keep up with the great work. I know you will, and thanks for coming on, man. It's a pleasure to join a fellow Minnesotan. That's all I can say.